welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Ramsey Heights, and welcome once again to our virtual worship. I'm so excited that you've joined us. I know that as this has gone on just a little too long that we've all got tired of watching our messages on a screen. We want to be back together, but I'm excited that you joined for this time of worship and study this morning. I don't think you'll be disappointed. We're continuing our focus series where we look at Jesus when he says, I am, and tells us something about ourselves. And we're going to be in John chapter 15 today, if you would like to turn there and and read along with us now why are we focusing on Jesus right now well did you know that there is power in positive thinking Uh, the Mayo Clinic says this they said the people who have a trait of positive thinking no matter the circumstances exhibit lower levels of depression and distress better immunity to diseases viruses and other sicknesses and reduced risk of heart problems because they focus on positive things instead of letting stress overwhelm their life. Well, I can think of nothing more positive to focus on than Jesus Christ, and I have loved this series. It has brought me so much joy and excitement, and I've learned so much about Him. I hope you have too. This week is also very special. I've had so much joy preparing this, and I want to share it with you, and I can't wait. So let's dive in and see what Jesus says. We're going to start in verse 4, even though Jesus is not quite at his I am statement yet, but it's going to be important for us to understand. So verse four, he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye abide in me, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing." Now, Jesus laid this out to his disciples right before his crucifixion. He was actually on his way from what we call the Last Supper to the Garden of Gethsemane where he was going to pray and later that night be arrested to be crucified. So Jesus is laying one thing out for his disciples before he leaves that he wants them to know. Now, what's interesting about this is Jesus says, I am the true vine. But then he goes on to explain something else about you and me. He says, you are the branches. This is the first time in this series we've seen Jesus do that, where he says, I am this, and then he drags you and me into the analogy. So this is going to tell us not only about Jesus, but it's going to tell us about me and you. So what can we learn from Jesus being the vine and us being the branches. Well, first, I think we need to look at the mutual connection that Jesus talks about here. You notice that the vine and the branches are part of the same plant. They're very connected to each other. Now, Jesus describes the relationship between vine and branches in verse 4. That's why we started there. What did he say? Abide in me, and I in you. There's a two-way beneficial relationship there. Abide in me and I in you. And this is what Jesus says to us. So what does that mean to abide in Jesus and Jesus abide in us? Well, I bet if you're confused, it's probably the word abide. It's not a word we use very often. I don't call my friends and say, I'm abiding at my house or I'm abiding with you in this decision. 
It's not a word we use very often. And if you've studied the Bible very much, you've probably heard the word abide translated as something like stay or, or continue or endure. And while those translations, there's nothing wrong with them, they may miss the larger point. It's very hard to take an ancient word and translate it into a one-word current word. And so a lot of times in our Bible, if we don't study very deeply, we may miss certain connotations of words that God meant for us to understand. I'll give you an example or a couple of examples in our modern-day language. When I say the word sunset, what do you think of? I bet you didn't think of the actual definition of sunset. I bet you didn't think, well, sunset is the time when day turns into night or when the sun goes down. When you thought of sunset, you thought of the brilliant colors of orange and pink and red. You may have thought of the first stars or lightning bugs coming out. You may have thought of a summer sunset when that first chill comes through the evening and cools off after a hot day. See, sunset to us means a lot more than just the time of day. It means all of the things that we experience when we experience a sunset. The same thing for the word dawn, the opposite end of the day. When I say dawn, you may think that time that I'm still asleep in my bed. But some of us experience dawn in a very special way. If you're a hunter or if you go outside at dawn for whatever reason, you experience daylight invading the darkness. You experience cold being chased off by the warmth of sun. I love hunting. One of my favorite things about hunting in the mornings is when I hear the first bird chirp, complete silence, and the forest comes alive. See, words often mean more than their definition. And the word abide means more than to stay or to endure or continue. It means those things, but it's also deeper. Listen, I like this definition of abide. It says, to remain as one. That's hard for us to wrap our heads around, to remain as one. So Jesus is really saying here, remain as one with me, and I remain as one with you. Now, I want to be clear, Jesus is not saying that we're gods, but he's talking about a connection so strong that it is called one, remaining as one. I love that this is a promise from our God, that this is his level of commitment, that he is going to remain as one with us day in and day out on our best days and on our worst days. God has this connection and this commitment to us. It's a relationship. That level of commitment could only be described as a relationship. So let me ask you this. What relationship do we experience where we remain as one through better or worse? It's marriage. Isn't that what we say about our wedding days? It's when two become one and we promise to stay with each other through better or worse, thick and thin, rich and poor. I don't even know what all of them are. But basically the ideal is no matter the circumstances, there's a commitment there. And so when Jesus says this, it reminds us of that relationship. And that's not far-fetched. That's actually a biblical concept. Jesus describes his relationship with his church, with you and me, as a marriage. He calls himself the groom, and he calls the church the bride. It's amazing to think about God's commitment to us when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. We are completely committed to each other. A great mutual bond. I wanted to share with you a song again this week. You've probably heard this one. It's another one of the famous hymns. It's called, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. 
Have you heard it? The, the chorus goes like this. It says, Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. I like this song because it's not just a song about God. It's a song to God. God, here is my request in my worship. Let me walk close to you. I like that concept of walking with God. We often describe our relationship abiding with God and God abiding in us as our daily walk with Christ. Now think about the concept of a walk. With this quarantine and being stuck at home and the beautiful weather we've had, my wife and I and our new daughter Oakley have spent a lot of time going for walks in our neighborhoods. And it's a special time for our relationship together. There's no distractions. We're just going on a journey together. And those walks are when we tend to discuss the deepest topics. What's bothering us? What are our hopes? What are we doing? What are we feeling? Because we are walking together. That is the relationship we can have with Christ. And that's the relationship He wants us to have with Him. A relationship where we are mutually connected, going the same direction on a journey, sharing our lives together. That song has a very special meaning because the people who wrote this song desiring to walk closer with God had, you guessed it, hard circumstances and they focused on Christ. Now you can trace that song back and you can find the first person who actually recorded it and made the music to go with it. They may even mess with the melody. But that person will tell you that they didn't write the song. They were at a train station when they heard someone singing it. This is an old song that was sung by the African American community pre-Civil War. But what happened in old slave communities is most of them were forbidden to read. And so pastors who wanted them to remember things about God would take these concepts from the Bible and write them into a song and they would be sung as slaves went out and worked in the fields. None of us have experienced the horrors of slavery. None of us have had to live that lifestyle, the horrible aspect of being owned by another human, the horrible aspect of, of being traded away from our family. All of the things slaves in the American South experienced, we haven't had to deal with that. But yet, People could sing, even in the midst of those circumstances, they could focus on Christ and they could sing about their desire to abide with Christ and to Christ to abide with them, to walk together. Listen to verse 2 of this song. Verse 2 here, it says, Through this world of toil and snares. Do you know what toil is? It's work and hard work, sweaty work. Probably the work that the people who wrote this song lived day to day. And snares are things that catch you and tie you up. If I falter, Lord, who cares? Who with me my burden, I love this word, my burden shares. None but thee, dear Lord, none but thee. We can experience with Jesus Christ, him being the vine and us being the branches, we can experience a close walk with God like that. We can experience that type of a relationship. So what does being connected with God in this way mean for us? What does this relationship do for us? Well, let's focus on the anatomy of a vine. 
Now Jesus talks about two particular parts of the vine, and I am by no means a botanist, but I think I can observe this about a vine. Most specifically, this is probably talking about a grapevine. The two different parts have two different jobs. The vine part is not what we think of of vines here in Arkansas, the little tiny vines that grow on the things that we grow in our gardens. The vines here, when it talks about grapevines, are actually a little bit closer to the small trunk of a tree. They're wood, they're rigid, they, they survive over the winter, the seasons doesn't affect them. They're attached to the root structure and so they pull nutrients out of the ground and they deliver it up. Well, what about the branches? We might call branches shoots or sprouts. Just little things that grow off of the main structure of the vine. Now, these shoots grow out, they grow leaves, and eventually this is the part of the vine that bears fruit. So, what is Jesus saying about him and us when he talks about the vine and the branches, when he talks about these two different parts? Well, the vine is the strength of the plant. It's solid and it's permanent. It's, it's there for as long as that plant lives, which can be long, long, long time. The sprouts, on the other hand, or the branches, are relatively temporary. They blossom in the spring, summer, and fall, and then all that's left in the wintertime is that vine. And then this whole ideal of the grapevine, of the true vine that Jesus talks about, circles around the idea of fruit. Why fruit and why is it so important? Well, when we study fruit in the Bible, fruit is most often used to describe the parts of God that come out of us when we become a Christian. In Galatians 5, there are the fruits of the Spirit, and that's what Jesus is talking about here, fruit. There's three things that we need to remember about the fruit. Number one is that fruit is desirable. Think about it. What is your favorite fruit? It's getting close to summer. I'm thinking about watermelon and how sweet it is. It's desirable. It's bright and we want it. Animals want it. It's, it's for a purpose. Point number two is that all fruit has seeds in it. Every last bit of it. The point of fruit is to be desirable so that those seeds get spread. So fruit is desirable. It has seeds. But point number three is that fruit grows from a vine. Now I want to be clear about how a grapevine works. The branches only bear the fruit. They don't grow the fruit. Fruit comes from the nutrients and the water that the vine and the root structure sucks out of the ground and delivers to the branches. And that is what grows the fruit. If you cut off the branches, they'll grow back. The vine will still live. But if you cut down the vine, the branches cannot live and they cannot bear fruit without the vine. So this explains fruit to us. Now let's see, what kind of fruit is God talking about? What kind of fruit is Jesus talking about? Well, listen to what it says in verse 10 here. This is just a little bit farther down in the chapter. It's part of the same discussion. Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even if I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So part of our fruit growing, part of our, I'm sorry, part of our fruit bearing is to keep commandments. And I know what you're thinking. It's like, oh no. I like this series. It was so encouraging to just think about Jesus Christ. And now we're getting into the rules, the have to do's and the don't do's, the good and the bad, the things that get preached at us all of the time. I understand why you might feel that way. And we can take responsibility for sometimes we take our religion and we make it a set of rules. Do this, don't do that. 
But remember, the whole concept of what we're learning here focuses on abiding, on remaining as one with God on that relationship. So I don't want to focus on the rules. And I have a pretty good reason for that. Look at verse 12. In the same breath, Jesus says this. He tells us the list of rules that he's worried about in relation to this particular conversation. He says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. What's the key word in verses 10 and 12? (laughs) The key word is love. It just so happens that love is the first fruit of the Spirit. And so what Jesus is actually saying with this is when He says this fruit that's going to come from the vine, but it's going to grow on us, that we are going to bear this fruit, He's actually saying, my love flows through you. I am the branch. I am the source of everything, but it's going to flow through the... I'm sorry, He said, I am the vine. I am the source. My love is going to flow through the vine into the branches and grow this fruit. Now, I like thinking about God's love. Isn't it encouraging? I I want you to imagine this little cup here. I hope you can see it. It's clear. This little cup here is you and me. Well, when we abide with Christ and He with us, His love starts flowing into us. But as we get full, His love keeps flowing. It doesn't stop. It keeps going and it overflows out of us. When we talk about abiding with Christ and Christ with us, that's what he's talking about. His love flowing into us and then overflowing out of us into the world around us. That's the fruit that he wants us to bear. I hope that little example helped you understand what it means for Christ to flow his love into us and it to overflow. But it wasn't really a good example. A good example of Christ's love flowing into us is not a pitcher that runs out after it overflows a little. It'd be a lot better if I took this this glass and I went down to that river and I put it in there and I flowed that river into this glass and let it overflow. That's what the love of Christ is like to you and me. It flows into us with such a passion we cannot contain it all and it has to flow out of us. This is the fruit that Jesus is talking about, that love will pour out of us. Now, love is something we like to talk about. It's a good feeling, isn't it? But love is so much more than a feeling. Love is an action. And Jesus Christ proved it. Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us by dying for us, by laying his life down. That was his love to us, or part of his love to us. And so when his love flows through us, it doesn't just come out where we say, I love someone. Think about it. Think about somebody you love, your spouse or your parents or your kids. And if you just say, I love you, but you never do anything for them, I would call you a liar. I would say that you don't really love someone that you are not willing to be moved to action for. So when Christ's love flows into us, it flows out of us in actions. And this is why Christians are quick to give to people in need and we're slow to ask for things. This is why as a church we have a food pantry where we serve our community by making sure their physical needs of hunger are met. 
This is why we pack shoe boxes of toys and send them all over the world, sharing the love of God, letting the love of Christ overflow out of us. This is why Christian organizations flock to disaster sites, and for nothing more than just loving on people, will give and pour out into a community in need. This is why we make sacrifices. Not because it's some silly rule, not because we have to to get into heaven, but because it's Christ's love flowing into us and then overflowing and flowing out of us. I heard a story of Christ's love overflowing into a family. In 2011, Mike Rittering, I hope I'm saying that, Mike Rittering um, was so full of love that it was just going to overflow. He and his wife sold everything they owned and they moved to a small West African country where they invested in, the, in education for the kids and providing a place for women in this country that had been um, battered or thrown out of their houses. In this deep Muslim country, these Christians went and they just allowed the love of God to flow through them. And in their actions, they showed people Christ. They showed people love. Well, as you might imagine, the story doesn't have the best ending. Mike Rittering was killed in 2018 in a terrorist attack. Uh, a suicide bomber walked in the cafe where he was and took uh, his life along with, I think, about 20 others. Now, what's amazing about the love of Christ flowing through people is Mike's family did not abandon that country. They continue to serve, and as a matter of fact, I think they serve with a deeper passion now. The very people that killed their husband or their son or their brother. They still pour into that community loving because the love of Christ is so full in them they can't help it. That's what it means to abide with Christ and He abide in us. To allow His love to flow through us, His commitment and His love to flow through us and flow to others. It may sound hard you may think of Christianity as rules and I have to give up this or I have to sacrifice that. <laughs> Heaven help us if I have to preach a sermon where we talk about sacrificing our financial situation or giving to others when we think that they don't earn it. But that's what it means to truly walk with Christ. And it sounds hard, so I want to end our message this morning on this thought in the same breath that Jesus talked about loving others, in the same breath Jesus talked about commandments, I want you to listen to verse 11. You thought I missed it. Listen to verse 11 wedged right in there between 10 and 12. It says this, These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. You know what the second fruit of the Spirit is? Love, one, joy. Too. Jesus tells us that when we abide in Him and He in us, when we remain as one together, even if we sacrifice, even though this love pours out of us because Christ is with us, guess what else is pouring into us? It's joy. Joy pours into us and there is no better feeling in the wor world than walking with Christ and just feeling the joy and the excitement. I've had so much of that this week as I've went through this message and tried to learn about Christ and just joy of how much God would love me that He would be connected to you and me this way. Let me ask you a question. Does this describe your understanding of Jesus Christ? Are you kind of stuck in just a little bit of a religious cycle where you do certain things? 
See, I would go so far to say this. If you don't have joy with Jesus and your relationship with Jesus, I wonder if you really even have Him because it's going to flow into you. I would like to ask you if maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe you've done the actions. Maybe you've followed the rules. But you've never learned to abide in Christ and Christ to abide in you. You've never actually made that decision. You've never known about that part of Jesus. If you don't have that, I would love to talk with you about it. As I say every week, find uh, message us on Facebook. It's the quickest way I will personally answer you and walk you through what it means to be a follower of Christ and for the love of God to flow into you. And before you know it, the love of God will be flowing out of you. Let's pray to end this message. Father in heaven, God, we just thank you that you're committed to us. God, we are unworthy of that, Lord. We love you so much. And God, we just pray that as you do grow us, as you do flow your love into us, God, that you would allow us to bear a lot of fruit. God, that people would see your love as it just flows out of us into the world. Lord, we thank you for everything that you do for us. We thank you for this church. God, we just pray that soon we will be able to, to celebrate you together. God, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. I've enjoyed this. I hope that you have learned something today, and I hope that this has brightened your day and put a little joy into your week. I'll see you next week.